Hello, welcome to Just Make The Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. If you're new to this show, hello, I am your host, Claire Tonti, and I am someone who is chronically stuck when it comes to creativity. That's why I started this show. It's a mix of interviews with people who make things or have insights into life that I think will help me and therefore, I hope, help you get unstuck or find the support you need with your creativity. Sometimes it's also just a big, honest, open-hearted chat with my good pal, Chanel Luchev, about where we're both at with our creativity. Some people have called this a show for creatives who need counselling. <laughs> Other people have used it to help them get through some really tough life stuff as well, because what I've learned is that often making stuff is closely linked into our mental health. So I hope you love this show. This is a special episode because I thought maybe if you're out there making something, you might just need a pep talk. I know I have recently. Something I've learned over the past few years is that making stuff and creativity is closely linked to our own mental health and our ability to cope with the stuff that life throws at us. Sometimes creativity is a way to heal and work through pain or it's a response to things out of our control that happen in the world. Sometimes what we create is literally a reflection of what we see or what we feel. But sometimes creativity also gets stuck through fear, through self-doubt, through anxiety or inertia or just plain old-fashioned laziness and even just our ability to be resilient and persist. I know that's a really big one for me. I love having a tantrum, throwing in the towel and telling myself, I am just not bloody good enough to do the thing that I need to do. There's a great quote I put on my Instagram recently that was shared by Zoe Foster Blake. And it's about the myth around passion, that once you find the thing you are passionate about, you no longer feel like you're working that whatever you want to do or make will just happen because you are so in love with the making and with the doing. I call bullshit. What I have found is that the reverse is usually more true. If you are given an opportunity and you commit and work hard at it, passion starts to build. And then for me, in creep a thousand doubts, a thousand ways to compare myself, a thousand comments from my inner critic who says it's no good, that no one likes what you do, that it's not good enough to be shown and, well, you should just give up because what's the point? And really, let's be honest, TV also gets in the way. Life gets in the way. I wanted to talk about that because I have felt that passion build and then I've also hit that wall when I do feel the passion build, when I am really excited about the thing I'm making and then something in my brain happens that's strange. When I was a kid, I found that doing something I was good at, whether it was running a race or coming first, or if I was playing music in a recital or acing my test results, the closer I came to achieving something, the more my fear of choking, of stuffing up would rise. And often I would stuff up. I would choke just at the point where things looked like they were coming together. A good example of this was my year 12 results, which is our final year of school. Throughout my childhood and teenage years, I just, I loved studying. I was a big fat nerd and very proud of it. I loved working hard and getting 
results. I loved writing and literature and learning and asking questions to the point where I was that kid people rolled their eyes at with my hand up high in the air. And then when it counted most, weirdly, in year 11 and then in year 12, I just choked just before the finish line. I started partying more and talking to boys and I kind of just gave up on myself a bit. It was like I could see the finish line and no matter how hard I had worked to get to these two final years, something in me gave up right when it counted most. It was almost like I didn't believe enough in myself and there was something going on with my self-esteem that I almost wanted to prove myself that I, to myself that I wasn't good enough. This pattern has followed me around with things I make and create too. And now I'm starting to wonder if I'm alone in this or if other people do this too. A trick I've started to learn through making this podcast, and I'm so proud we've made over 60 episodes now, I've started to know myself better at 33. I've started to listen to what messages I tell myself when things are going well. And then I stop running away with all of that fear that I will stuff up. And I listen to some of those messages that my brain seems to tell me like the, who do you think you are trying to do this thing? Or you've come this far, of course you'll fail. It's kind of like the higher you reach, the further you have to fall. And that makes me shaky. It's like I'm up there on a balance beam and I look down and see how far I've come and then get all wobbly and topple. What I've learned to do now, and what I say a lot in this show, is that I've learned to find calm by focusing on the work. Sometimes it's not even exactly the work, but just the showing up for the work. Or even beyond that, the biggest thing I have found solace in is consistency. I know I say this a lot, but it really is so true. Dan Steele and I, who I chatted to in our last episode, talked a lot about the power of consistency. Weirdly, I hit 60 episodes last year of this show, did a live show, and then I sort of was so proud of myself that I took my eye off the ball and I thought that I had this consistency thing all figured out. Well, lesson learned. Your brain, well, my brain anyway, needs a set course and jobs to do and someone watching all the time to make sure it happens because I just lost my consistency. I stopped releasing episodes regularly and started just releasing all over the place. Consistency has just always been there. It's my greatest pal and teacher and the thing that makes me feel calm. Consistency over quality, over passion, over perfectionism, and quite frankly, over my own ego. But I also need to remember that with consistency comes the showing up. There's another big thing I've noticed recently. Once I start something and get a while down the track with it, I start thinking it's the wrong track. I start thinking I should be doing something else, that this thing I'm making isn't the real thing I should be doing. Therefore, what's the point? Let's just stop. It's not good enough anyway. (sighs) You're welcome to the weird and wonderful world of my brain, and maybe your brain too. I don't know. Everybody is different. I hope I'm not the only one that feels like this. There's kind of a magical trick that seems to happen when I am consistent. What I am learning is that the showing up is important because without even realizing it, in doing something over and over again, you are developing a skill set. Putting in the hours, even if if you think the hours are wasted or that the thing you've made isn't good enough, 
just seems to make the world of difference. At the end of the day, it's the difference between having something to show the world or not, or more importantly, having something to show yourself. And you just start to get better at it. You start to get really good at something. So my dear listener, if you are stuck in a rut, if you have inertia and the couch and Netflix seems much more appealing than making that thing or doing that thing, remember the consistency thing. Just make something. And then if you hate it, well, hate it. Put it out there, press send, and then move friggin' on. Thank you, next, as Ariana Grande would say. I also listened to an episode recently with Elizabeth Gilbert and Glennon Doyle on her podcast, Magic Lessons. That's Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast. And Glennon Doyle said the same thing. When she started her blog, Momastry, and she's become huge now, and I'm a big, big fan of hers for obvious reasons. Um, If you haven't followed her, go and do so. She's a wonderful human. Um, She said the thing she did to get her thing off the ground was realise that the only time in her life she would have to make her thing was at sort of 4.30 in the morning before her kids woke up. And so she had to give up something. And what she gave up was her hour of TV at night or two or three hours of TV at night. And to me, that's kind of like my happy place when everything has, you know, quietened down, when our little son is in bed. At the end of the day, there is nothing better to me than sitting snuggled on the couch with the remote, just watching something fun and sailing away. But what happens then is that you stay up later than you'd like to and you have less energy. And for Glennon, she said, the only way she could get up early and have the space and time to write was to give up on that TV and go to bed at nine o'clock. So I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about that maybe in order to fit in our creative thing, we need to find space in our life to do so. And maybe it means giving up on something in order to take on something else and then doing it consistently. Okay. Just some food for thought there. Also, here's a bit of magical thinking I was re-reminded of recently. In my past life, I was a primary school teacher and we talked a lot with the kids about the importance of play. It helps kids test their boundaries, explore their imagination and unpack and unspool their minds in a way that nothing else can. Play is about being tactile with your world, building characters and narratives, developing language, resilience, persistence, creating whole mini universes that you can live in just for you. It's about reflecting your experiences back to you and trying to understand them. Human beings need this time to develop good foundations for adulthood. And when we are out there in the real world, it stands us in good stead. There's so much research to back this up, that kids need time to play. What I also think though, is that Adults are really just big kids. We never really grow up to a point where we should stop learning. And therefore, I don't think we should stop playing either. I know that might sound crazy, but hear me out. I was sitting with my little three-year-old son the other day and we were chatting and cutting a bit of paper and sticking them onto another bit of paper. And my brain just kind of went, ah, yes, this is awesome. The same thing happened when we made Play-Doh and we were just kind of rolling it around and making it into cakes or painting, just finger painting on some paper. 
The other day, I marched myself over to the $2 shop and bought some poster paint for $3. And we just started painting. Nothing fancy or amazing. Not painting to show anyone or put it on Instagram with a hashtag mum life or something, but just for the joy. I'd forgotten that magical thing that happens when you mix primary colours together to make new colours, like blue and yellow making green or uh, red and, I was going to say pink, red and blue making purple. This is kind of a long tangent, but what I'm saying is that painting hit my brain in a spot that just felt really good. And it helped me to kind of uncurl and de-stress and just work out all my anxieties and worries and clear my head. So if you need someone to give you permission, whether you have kids or not, I hereby, me, Claire Tonti, grant you permission to go forth, buy some poster paint for a couple of dollars and just make some stuff. It really doesn't matter if it's any good at all. See if you can make some shades. I had a lot of fun. I bought some white paint as well. I bought red and blue and green. No, red and blue and yellow, the primary colours, and then white. And the kind of shades you can make, it's just really fun. Okay. You might think I'm crazy, but I think this kind of stuff is the magic of life. Create some colours, get messy with some Play-Doh, And for goodness sake, remember to play and remember to laugh. After all, playing is really visualising. And one thing I know for sure is that if there are things in our lives we want to change, the only way we'll get there is if we can actually see ourselves there, if we can magic ourselves into a new way of thinking. And I reckon part of that is through play. Okay, on to my next little bit of my pep talk. Apart from having something creative to do with your brain, which I think is just bloody vital as human beings, otherwise we're miserable. Even if it's just cooking or gardening or painting a picture or making Play-Doh, just make some stuff and see what happens. The other thing we need though, and I think we need desperately, is community. We We need other real human people in our lives. The UK has an MP who addresses loneliness, and I couldn't think of a more apt job description for the time we are living in now. So much of social media and our existence in our Western world is based around spending time with people virtually instead of in person. There are so many people in my life who when I bump into on the street, I know what's been happening as I follow them in social media, but I don't see them in real life. And that means I don't really know what's going on. I just know their highlights real. I think we humans are creatures of community and we just need each other, face to face, close up. Not in a fancy take a photo of my brunch and post on Insta kind of way, but in a I see you, you see me, let's listen to each other and laugh about each other's lives kind of way. Sometimes I see people being afraid And sometimes I'm afraid too, actually a lot of the time I'm afraid too, of having people over to my house in case they see the messiness of my life. The baskets of dirty washing, the dishes in the sink, the mess on the floor, the food in the fridge past its expiry or the half-made Ikea furniture. Have I told you how terrible I am at making Ikea furniture? I think it goes back into that whole starting thing and not finishing it thing. Anyway, moving on. What I'm learning is that wouldn't it be better to let people in anyway? 
to not have people over only when your life looks perfect, but actually when it looks disastrous. Why not? When your kids are screaming and you're exhausted and you're having baked beans for dinner, why not let someone in? We're not alone. We need to get comfortable with the idea that our lives don't need to be Instagram worthy to be shared with others. And most importantly, we need to start rebuilding our sense of community. To me, this show has become so much more than an exploration of making creative adventures, like writing a book or painting or creating a business or making music, though it certainly is absolutely all about those things too. To me, this show is a place for people to remember that we can make of our lives what we want them to be, that if we are lonely, we can just make the thing and build our own community. If we want our world to be safer, to be more full of compassion, of love, of empathy or equality, we can just make that thing happen too. We can knock on the door of our neighbour and invite them in for a cuppa. We can chat to the person who works in the fruit shop around the corner. We can invite our friends over midweek, not just for special occasions. We can ring those people that we haven't spoken to in a while and just have a chat and check in. I want to leave you with this. If you can see a world that you want to live in, really see it. See the way you want to be in the world. See who you want to have in it. You can make it. You can build it. Remember, it won't be perfect necessarily. Don't even try to make it so. When you are making something, life will always get messy and weird and wacky and scary and you'll make mistakes and you'll probably embarrass yourself, but it'll also be wonderful. Don't be afraid to let people in. Share your mess and your fears and your life with those around you. It's the best way to just make the thing. Just make it together. Okay, love to you, my friend. If you know someone who you think might benefit from listening to this episode, I'd love you to share it with them through Apple Podcasts or however you want to share it. I'm also on Instagram at Claire Twenty, where I tell stories and that's my favourite place to share them. I don't like lots of social media, but that's the one I do. And there's lots of other episodes with some really, really interesting people if you scroll back through my feed. Some of my favourites are the Claire Bowditch episode or I interview... Uh, Will Anderson about making things. Um, I interview a wonderful girl called Angela Wotherspoon um, who just has an extraordinary life story to tell and a lot of great advice. Um, I talked to Luke McGregor and Celia Bacola. Last week I chatted with Daniel Steele who writes a blog called Upgrade Think Learn and so many more. Oh, and a big thank you to Raw Collings as always for editing this episode. Um, and subscribe in iTunes, oh, sorry, in Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a rating. It would mean so much to me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Keep on making the thing and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.